Welcome to the Life is a Ceremony podcast by Petiti Institute. We're inspired to share practical insights to engage everyday life as an evolutionary journey. Every moment is an opportunity to practice. If you would like to send us a question or a comment or a donation, you're welcome to visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. In this episode, Roman Hannes and Elton Liabella discuss the practical application of meaning in one's life while recognizing the essence beneath changing appearances. Hello, friends. This is Roman and Elton from the Paititi Institute. And we are happy to connect with everyone today about uh, this essential topic in today's world, which has to do with our connection across the globe throughout the different cultures, traditions, and belief systems to recognize what is essential, what is unchanging in this turmoil of human existence that we are currently experiencing in the world. How can we approach the world today and find meaning in what is happening and continue to apply it practically to our lives. This will be the focus of our talk today, how to keep recognizing the essence beneath the changing appearances. Elton, if you want to add something? Not really. I want to let you go for it and then I will engage. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) wonderful. The work that we are doing here at at the Institute and the the work that I've been involved in for the last two decades has to do with really understanding what the individual evolutionary journey and the collective process is all about, specifically in a practical way. So within the world situation right now, within the increasing difficulties on the planet, both on the environmental level and the societal level, And uh, then also individually within each of our lives, the difficulties, the problems, the adversity that we're experiencing, how can we relate to it in a more objective way? How can we see the bird's eye view and not get lost in the trenches of everyday existence? And then how this ancient traditions of the world, the world history, the challenges that people have encountered in the past, How can they help us deal with what is happening in our lives today so that it's not just an exponent in a museum or something exotic to distract ourselves from the everyday wear and tear, but how can it be relevant and practical in our lives? And so this is the focus of our conversation today. I find that it's very essential to reflect on that when engaging different cultural contexts and practices from around the world. Yeah, there are many different exotic traditions and all kinds of uh, fancy rituals and appearances, and yet uh, this is not a masquerade, unless we put masks on when we go out to shop. This is something that has to touch us very deeply inside, touch our hearts, 
and our spark of meaning of life, the spark of passion, of aliveness, of connectedness, then how can that spark be steady in our lives? Not just sparking up in one little instance or only when we go for some kind of a plant ceremony and then dies out when we engage in the hamster wheel of everyday life. So the point is to really connect those dots, to connect our inner purpose and the outer responsibilities in our lives, to connect our passion within us and at the same time to make it sustainable, it has to bring greater benefit into the world. And of course, this entails some reflection time. It's not just impulsive behavior, but it's essential to take some time and reflect on these subjects and really find the meaning for oneself and ask the right types of questions and not just jump into all kinds of things without taking the time to consider what it's about and how it's related to everyday's life and the challenges that we are dealing with. So those are some things to reflect. The intercultural bridges that I have found to be so useful in my life, it wasn't like that right away. It wasn't right away that uh, I could begin to engage with it constantly, but I did have to take a significant period of time to, to really approach it meaningfully. In these traditions, and I mentioned it in our last talk, before we can learn, we have to learn how to learn. Before we can engage with something, it's essential to take some time and really see how to engage with it for the deepest meaning and benefit to come out of what we are doing, not just for ourselves, but also for the world around. And when people just get into something and then right away try to make a profit out of it and don't really take to heart what it is that they are dealing with, then there is no time for that. There is no time to really establish the inner core so that it can be shared with the outer world and then it just becomes a performance. In that way, it's misleading, misleading for oneself and misleading for others. So in uh, these traditions, our elders have continuously shared with us, both here in South America and also in the Tibetan culture, how it's best not to hurry, not to just sign up for something and engage mindlessly with different practices, or uh, perspectives or traditions, but to really take time to consider. There is this famous saying, it's better not to start, but once you start, you better finish. Otherwise, what ends up happening is uh, a habit that develops to never finish what is being started, and then there is a lot of jumping from one thing to another. It may also have to do with jumping 
in one tradition from one teaching to another choosing only what uh, is convenient to oneself kind of cherry picking or changing teachers like changing socks in the morning and then easily jumping to another tradition and not being satisfied not wanting to confront the deeper issues and then finding another bypass and pretending like everything is fine this is actually warned against in these traditions because in that way all that one gets is a head the size of a watermelon and the heart the size of a peanut as one of our teacher shared then what's the point of it to just have the inflated head full of all, all kinds of misleading ideas and then no heart to really engage meaningfully and get to the root of what one lives for and how can it be possible to face the adversities in our lives so those are some things to consider in that regard my turn now mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah learning how to learn i think that's you know i think i'm in that stage because uh like what I find difficult is also it's this mind that wants to interpret everything. Like I hear you talk and instantly, you know, I have different ideas about what you are saying. I, you know, interpret them in my way, but what I'm finding like the training for me now is just to quiet my mind, like first and foremost, so I can listen. And instead of making plans for the future of how that might look like in my interpretation, it's like taking the time and taking it in. Okay. Like, what does it mean in my experience? Not in my head, not in the chatter, but what are you pointing at in a state of being? Like, how is this effective and why am I doing this? So that's something that, you know, it's a challenge for me and it's a struggle because I have many ideas, but I don't think these traditions are pointing to ideas and Mm -hmm. concepts. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a very good point, right? Because these traditions, they are about having a direct experience of being, of aliveness, of this... uh, objectivity this deeper greater objective insight into the interconnectedness of life into reciprocity and the meaning that is reflected by everything and everyone around which includes the different traditions and practices from around the world that essentially all came from that original state of being that natural state that nobody has a copyright on and yet everyone have a unique angle and perspective that allows us to see that essence that allows us to recognize the many different aspects of that being or essential humanity as some of our elders relate to and so that uh, natural state of being that we can all experience under certain conditions 
or in certain times of our lives. And then at the same time, the point of all of these traditions and practices is to help us experience that all the time, not to lose sight of the ocean in the midst of all the waves, not to lose sight of the sky behind the clouds or the mirror behind the objects. Since all traditions point to it in their own unique way and through their own cultural context, then it also takes time to relate to that essence beneath the appearances. And while the appearances help us to see that essence, at the same time, they are not that essence in themselves. And that has to do with the garments of the different cultures. And so not to get confused and lost in the garments, the ceramic vessel that holds the essence, but is not the essence in itself. So of course it's essential. But then, as you say, then it takes time to really see that. And throughout that time, first and foremost, it's essential to work with mind that tends to jump to conclusions, that ten tends to make all kinds of uh, different concepts and ideas that don't always correspond to reality. That is one of the issues in all times. People would be required to have many years of preparation be before being initiated into these traditions. Today we don't have time in our world. It's a great commodity. People may only find a few days to go on a spiritual retreat or into a healing journey. And that's all that is available. And of course, in today's world, people do have a greater capacity to assimilate ideas and knowledge because it's not just the mind. Then it's essential to give some time and not just to have one experience and one thing and then jump to the other, but then to allow some time for that to settle, to, to really see what it's about, to not jump to conclusions. And that is something that is often missing from what I've seen. And there is a lot of interest in the sensational experiences but uh, less so when it comes to really taking the time to understand and see what it's about. And the theory has to come hand in hand with practice. If there is only practice without theory, then there is no direction for that practice to go into. If there is only theory without practice, then um, whatever is being engaged cannot really be embodied and then it just remains a nice idea in the head. And of course, this living wisdom traditions, they are not about the conceptual knowledge. They are about maturation of human qualities, the deepening of essential values in our lives, the values that honor the world that we live in, honor the higher purpose of our lives, 
honor the relatedness with each other that allows us to support the deeper meaning of our lives. That is something that takes time to relate to. So again, rushing into it and there is this uh, kind of syndrome of the uh, first year university student when the students think that they know everything. And actually, uh, that's a sign that they don't know anything. Right? It's just knowing enough to think that you know something. And that's actually worse than not knowing. Because all kinds of misconceptions tend to come into one's life. In, in a way, our whole modern society is in that stage where there is uh, all of this technological progress and all of this uh, fancy names and appearances. And at the same time, it, we are a very young culture in the world today, a, a very young civilization. In our medical system, every 10 years or so, everything that has been done before or a lot of it is often negated or uh, recognized to not be as beneficial. And then there are thousand-year-old traditions and methods that may not be so useful in emergency uh, trauma and things like that, that the modern medicine is useful for. But then the ancient methods, they are much more holistic and work throughout longer periods of time and help with prevention, something that is not so relevant in today's world. People want fast solutions that are not necessarily as lasting or sustainable. And then it's also good to see what is the focus of our lives and what is it really that we are going after. Are we looking for instant gratifications that are not lasting in the long run? Or do we actually want lasting solutions and wish to get to the root of our issues rather than just putting temporary band-aids on them, which are very effective in today's world. And there are many different types of band-aids with all kinds of colors. But then in terms of real solutions, then it's good to get to the root and that doesn't happen as fast. And so in my own life, it took me at least 10 years before I could learn to share more meaningfully what the traditions that I've been engaging with meant for me. It's one thing to receive those benefits oneself, and it's another thing to learn how to share that. That's a whole other level. Yeah, it's, it's good to really see and also to recognize that, yeah, easy come, easy go. The mind can be very good at making uh, all kinds of appearances and fancy explanations and make it sound very pretty. But when it comes down to embodied qualities, when it comes down to facing the adversity, not throwing in the towel, not getting easily discouraged, then mind cannot really handle that. 
in one moment I can think that I understand everything in my fecal mind and the next moment I'm dealing with a challenge, with a hardship, adversity and I have no idea and everything that I knew in my mind the moment before is very fleeting and suddenly I'm worse than ever before. So the real wisdom in these traditions is the wisdom of being. It's not something that can be substituted by concepts and ideas. It's only through training to deal with life, to face oneself, to engage with the shadows, to take responsibility for one's life, that those essential human qualities get embedded and cultivated, embodied in our being. So in that way, it's a wisdom of being. It's a wisdom of the organism. It's the wisdom of emotional intelligence that the world could use more of now times, nowadays. And so then, yeah, I can repeat what different teachers say and different teachings say and I can memorize it, but then it's just going to be a monkey imitation. And in my own experience, I have seen how the same thing can be said by different people. And when someone really embodies what they're saying, or at least a little bit, it makes a, a much greater difference than when somebody who is just repeating even if it's very nicely done, but if it's not embodied, I notice it. I, it makes a big difference in my own experience and my own life. Yeah, I think I have a problem because I can't memorize and I don't have <laughs> emotional intelligence. <laughs> but um, as you are speaking, the I think one of my challenges as well is coming, like having enough uh, success in the material world. So my mind is developed. You know, it's like my thinking and it's proven. My life experience shows that, like no one can take that away from me. But uh, then coming on this path and approaching this path with that mind is a recipe for disaster because like you are saying, it's like, I am so disconnected from my body and my emotions and my feelings that when it comes to dealing with them, you know, I go into my head. And uh, what I see that these traditions are pointing at, it's like, yeah, how to be in, in, in life, you know, not escape in, in, my, in my head. And, you know, it's taking me a lot of time to actually come into my body and connect with myself to start understanding because uh, also the the from these traditions it's like yeah we all have this birthright to be happy but where is happiness happiness is not in my thought you know i try to find it there with ideas that gives me you know that point me to this state of openness but like now what i'm un understanding more and more is that if I can come into this body, it's where the it's where happiness is, mm. you know, and being able to confront life, not through my mind, but just by being and it's taking me years 
like to to even you know get to that point to say okay i think this is mm. you know the essence mm -hmm. and uh, yeah that's very relevant in my own experience as well coming into the wisdom traditions both here in south america and also uh, in the himalayas and to really see that yeah i'm wishing to understand what my life is about i don't just want to engage with it as some kind of a performance and learning how to do some kind of a sideshow attraction and fancy rituals and personally i cannot do it as a performance i cannot just make an appearance and not really connect with the deeper meaning of what i'm doing myself that has been an essential prerequisite in my own process of engaging with the different cultures of the world is to see how those cultures whatever culture i've ever encountered going deep enough to the source of how that culture came to be the reason for it and what i've seen time and time again is uh, how those cultures have originated from the need to rise above the difficulties the adversity of life how to connect to the noble heart in the midst of adversity to shine the spirit and not run away from the difficulties in our lives and of course first and foremost it has to be real for oneself it cannot be a substitute and then yeah i i have challenges in my life i have difficulties and through my life circumstances i've come to see that i can no longer run away from that wherever i go there i am and then i could engage with this ancient wisdom traditions from the same point how did other people do it i'm not the only one who's ever had difficulties and i'm not the only one who has experienced this overwhelming challenges of life and who's gotten tired of running away from them and so then in that way i could really take the time and connect to that spark of truth in myself i really wish to get to the bottom of it it's directly relevant to my own experience of life and uh, i don't want to pretend and hide from that and so that spark that at least a glimmer of truth in my own life has been essential not to look for the truth outside but to experience at least a little bit of it on the inside of oneself to gather some of individual life experience before connecting with the cumulative experiences of many people within other cultures and traditions and so in that way in my own life yeah i've already had that before i came to the kind of formal spiritual paths and i've had some time to struggle and to try to deal with my challenges and learn to navigate the difficulties in my life and then because i've had that time 
to really struggle. When I came to the living wisdom traditions, I saw that actually I was already trying to do that in my own way, but I was trying to reinvent the wheel that took thousands of years to, to develop. And within my own life, it would not have been possible if I would just do it on my own. But what it was necessary for me to try and do it on my own first and not to give up. And then I could actually find that connection between whatever little truth I discovered in my life through trial and error and the deeper reflection of that same truth that I could see in the different elders that I've met who also engaged with their own challenges, with their own difficulties of life. And then were able to connect to the wisdom of the ancestors that have also done that and verify their own truth through that. And then I could verify my own truth as well by connecting to the lineage of real people just like myself who dealt with real life struggles just like myself. And for me, it wasn't about some kind of nice, fancy appearance or performance or all kinds of different exotic garments and shows that, that were being done, rituals and ceremonies. It was essential to really get to the reality of it all in my own experience. And so because I was not looking for truth outside of myself, I could meaningfully connect with the different elders and teachers who reflected the same truth that I had inside myself, but on a deeper level. But it wasn't something outside. It wasn't like, oh, I'm totally lost and ignorant and confused and I cannot uh, discern right from wrong or uh, what is meaningful and I'm totally blind and just someone please tell me what to do. No, there, there has to be initiative and the willingness to check things through one's own experience and to gradually learn to trust one's own intuition and one's own capacity to recognize what is meaningful. Because no one potentially can know ourselves as we do. Nobody knows what we go through better than ourselves, potentially. And then, of course, it's essential to really make that kind of dedication, first and foremost, not to some kind of external tradition, but to oneself. I have to be true to myself and really wish to get to the root of it. And see through my own self-deception and avoidance that has developed through not knowing any better. But the more that I can recognize it, the sooner I can see what actually is better or more meaningful or has greater wisdom. And so, yeah, I have to clearly admit and be honest with myself where I'm fooling myself, where I'm running away from myself, where I'm not satisfied with life. And then that is the foundation 
for getting to know myself, for getting to see what is better, what is meaningful. And that can only come through life experience. It's not something that someone can tell me. And so when I have some of that, at least basic life experience, then I can engage meaningfully with the wisdom of the ancestors, with the different practices, the ceremonies, plant medicines, whatever it may be. But I can do it meaningfully because it comes through direct life experience. Otherwise, if I'm just doing it because everyone else are doing it or because I think that um, everyone else may know better than I do and I have no right to think for myself and to take some time to see what it's about, then that really doesn't bring much benefit. No matter how many years I will be doing something, all it will be is just performance. So that basic ground to stand upon is essential in life. And no culture and tradition can do that. It's only up to each of us to make that priority in our lives. And then everything else can support it. In these traditions, consciousness is the main healing agent. Everything can support it, but nothing can substitute it. And so that's something that I found to be very useful in my life. So consciousness is the main healing agent. Mm -hmm. But what about, because for example, you know, I experienced places where my consciousness said that this experience that I'm having is, you know, comparing to my life experience and to my truth, it's not good. I should leave. Mm -hmm. And then, then, then what? In those experiences uh -huh. where, you know, I find that, of course, for me approaching, coming here to Paititi, I, you know, checked things out. And I, you know, have enough connection with myself that I was ready to let go of what I know because I trust myself enough that I can let go, but it's, it could be, it, it is very difficult mm -hmm. in experiences like that where I have to trust also the guidance that, yeah, there is my truth and there is a lineage mm -hmm. that says maybe, no, my experience is, is a rite of passage and it is a, what I perceive as bad is actually a good experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There is this perspective and this, this ancient traditions work with that. And uh, there is a saying that a human being is a bridge between animal and God and everything in between. You know, and it's good to recognize that we all have all of that within us. We all have the animal part and we all have the part of us that is divine. But it's good not to confuse the animal for the divine, right? Yeah, we all have that piggly kind of <laughs> existence part of us. And uh, we all have that uh, deeper, higher, greater purpose and meaning. But it's not, it's not to confuse one for the other and think that the pig is the god, right? In a way, <laughs> maybe there are some raw ingredients there. 
for the alchemical process to take place. But of course, uh, it's good to take the time as I shared. And of course, within these traditions, the true thousands of years of human experience, this uh, development of the wheel that in my experience was not possible to reinvent it in the limited time that I'm here on this earth. But then I can connect to the cumulative wisdom that many, many people gathered throughout lifelong experiences. And I uh, see that there is guidance because of that experience. The guidance that is irreplaceable otherwise. And so within that guidance, then the negative can be seen as positive and the positive can be seen as negative. For example, right before breakthrough, there is a breakdown. Right before finding uh, resolution, everything in me might be telling me to just give up. And then these traditions are instrumental because it's in those moments that the guidance comes in so handy. Otherwise, I just run with my monkey mind. Or sometimes I may have a very enlightening, blissful experience and then think that it's so positive and it's so great and it's confirming everything in my life and I can just put a medal on myself and be accomplished and realized and everything is resolved. And that actually be very, that might be very negative because then I develop a whole new ego construct and identity around some kind of a positive experience and become totally blind to the need to keep applying what I've only had a glimpse of. And then the self-importance, the hyperinflation takes place very fast. As soon as I have some kind of a great uh, disassociative experience from my conditioning and experience a lot of bliss and light and uh, this kind of uh, uh, grandeur experience, experiences come and go. And then the next thing I know, I'm worse than ever before. But because I have this medal, it gets even harder to face life because look, oh, I thought I've already dealt with it all and I don't have to do anything again. And I'm now floating on the cloud and I have no problems and I will have no problems. And then I get a crude wake up call in five minutes or, you know, <laughs> whenever. And so then when that happens, that can be actually uh, very jarring especially because I had such a positive experience and suddenly I'm worse than ever because of that. So then these traditions also, they have the guidance not to get blinded by the light and to keep being real, and <laughs> to keep being practical. And while I can have all kinds of different uh, enlightening experiences, the only thing that can be cultivated on this path is the continuously showing up, continuously learning to be more patient, more 
tolerant, more persevering, more compassionate towards oneself and others, more discerning. And it's not about spiritual materialism where I'm just going to get to a point where I will have no problems ever again. The whole point is to keep engaging life. The spiritual advancement or evolution or realization in these traditions, it's not about having no problems. It's about actually being able to face greater challenges, greater difficulties in life without getting overwhelmed, without uh, getting lost in it all, without becoming at the mercy or becoming embarrassed by life. So in that way, then it's a discipline, it's, a, it's an attitude that we begin to develop the positive attitude, the heroic disposition towards life. Things uh, will not get easier, but we can get better at dealing with challenges, with adversity, transforming the negativity into the nourishment of our hearts, of our soul, seeing how all of the problems in our lives uh, have evolutionary wisdom to them and learn to recognize the love in the midst of all circumstances, the evolutionary love, the love that has no pity. I know that I can do it and I know that everyone else can do it too. And it's not random what is happening. So these traditions, what I've found benefit in is this ability to discern, to recognize that what is happening is not just I'm being punished by life and the world is against me and it's not personal. And there is this loving wisdom in everything that I'm going through. And then even though I may not see this wisdom, I may not see the higher purpose of what is happening in my life right now, at least I can know that it's there and I can take some time to see it instead of just going into the soap opera drama of my mind. And in that way, yeah, it, it's essential to really take the time and not jump to conclusions, to really see what something is about. There has to be time. There has to be the willingness to really get to the essence of it and to see how other people are engaging with it, how other people are finding value and meaning. And again, it's not just a bag of tricks like I've seen often people relate to it as, but it's a relationship, a healing evolutionary relationship between human beings. It's a friendship on the path. It's not about also like expecting the teacher to be a parent that I've never had or some kind of an authority figure that I have to constantly be at odds with, but it's really about friendship evolutionary friendship. Yeah, and we all have challenges, we all have difficulties, we all have certain ability, certain uh, natural inclination to engage with our lives and then we can all support each other through that. And so instead of uh, projecting and expecting and having agendas, 
and then to engage with the humanity in the midst of it all. So I find that uh, that's quite essential. And so these lineages, they are lineages of direct experience, the experience of humanity, the experience of essential human qualities. And uh, no one has a copyright on within any tradition of the world. People relate to each other. Yeah, the words, they are used to point to something, but they can never substitute that essence of being, that essence of relatedness, of kindness to each other, connection with each other. That is the cornerstone of human culture, wherever it may be. People have always been coming together in the face of adversity, in the face of a common threat, challenge, difficulty, and then finding ingenuity, sharing certain helpful qualities, and then together being able to face themselves individually, transform themselves, learn from each other, not just get isolated and separated and think that I'm just going to do whatever and I'm not going to consider or relate to anyone else. So uh, in that way, it's something that each one of us can reflect on and see that life is, the real wisdom of life comes through relatedness. It's not the bag of tricks. Yeah, I think that, uh, like, for me, the concept of freedom is, or it was, an idea of uh, doing whatever I want, whenever I want. And, yeah, it's like there is a, uh, how do you say, um, like, yeah, there is a part that wants to relate, but there is also a part that thinks that that is what freedom mm -hmm. is. But uh, mm -hmm. what I'm learning is that the freedom is the ability to, you know, relax, especially in the moment, especially when things, <laughs> you know, it's like a hurricane is mm -hmm. happening. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, a common tendency is to experience the freedom on the surface while at the same time being enslaved to this fecal monkey mind. Yeah, a rebel without a cause. Rebelling even against rebellion then it's this kind of vicious cycle where in these traditions, in the indigenous culture, I've never seen more disciplined people in my life. Initially, I thought, oh, the indigenous people in the rainforest, uh, they just run around naked and do whatever they want and eat bananas all day. But I've never seen more disciplined people in my life. It is that real freedom that is not bound by the fecal monkey mind that is constantly wanting some kind of a banana instant gratification but it's the freedom of the heart to face life however life comes through all the ups and downs all the pleasant and unpleasant experiences the freedom of the heart 
to stay present, not to not waver, to engage with challenges wholeheartedly, to appreciate life in whatever way it may come through. And so for the indigenous people, that is the real freedom, to stay open, to connect to love under all circumstances, to not succumb to fear, to not throw in the towel. And there is a lot of power and fulfillment in that kind of freedom. It's the wisdom of no escape, the wisdom of, no, of the heart. That kind of freedom takes time to cultivate and then engaging in these traditions where things do come up through these practices, through these traditions, through that focus, through the lineage of many people who have had the intention to fully face themselves. And then, yeah, all the issues start to come up to the surface. As Carl Jung once says that uh, enlightenment is not about imagining figures of light, but it's about making our shadows conscious, bringing the light of consciousness into the dark corners of our unresolved life situations. And so in that way, then we keep evolving, we keep unfolding greater potential, we can have new experiences of life instead of constantly running in that hamster wheel and keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And so that takes perseverance, that takes unwavering focus that is cultivated. And also it takes recognition how fickle my mind is and how easily it gets distracted and runs off. And without that recognition, my mind will keep doing whatever it wants and this untrained mind will always find something to be disturbed about and will keep jumping from one thing to another, finding very temporary relief and then completely exhausting all of the resources and vitality, never finding anything meaningful and lasting. So, of course, this real freedom that is not bound, the real happiness, the, the happiness that is bound to freedom and not the pleasure that is constantly intermeeting with pain. If I think that happiness is about pleasure, it's not very realistic because life is not all about pleasure. And if I think that I can get to a point where everything will be pleasurable, then I'm setting myself up for disaster. Because pain is also a natural part of our lives. Our bodies are designed to experience pain. Our lives, our bodies are designed to eventually deteriorate. And we are not immortal. And it's not bad. But it's through this limited time to find something that is meaningful, lasting, that goes beyond just this temporary container that we all live in at this time. And to see that there is something that goes beyond. There, there are those essential human qualities that are continuing to reciprocate through us, that are continuing to give us deeper meaning, deeper purpose, 
and willingness to not waste our lives. These traditions that are often approached today as tourist attractions at least can bring some kind of a glimpse or plant a seed in someone's mind, but then it's essential to also have place for a deeper meaning. And if it's only tourist attractions that are available, then that's not so meaningful. And that's why we are inspired to do this work is because there should be a place for that too. I understand that majority of the people just want a nice uh, sensational circus to get to put their minds off every day's life and problems and many people go to this uh, kind of psychedelic roller coaster experiences weekend warriors and then just uh, drag their meaningless existence in everyday life that's not what i have been inspired by in my life and so to actually connect the dots to see how everyday life is, is a ceremony it's not just waiting to get blown away once in a while and uh, not face oneself, but to see how there is a connection. There is a relatedness. The intensity comes through different ways in the ceremony, in plant medicine experiences, but then the same intensity will come through other ways in our everyday life. And then how are we dealing with that? How can we maintain that space, hold the space, for the alchemical transformation to take place in the pressure cooker of our everyday existence. So the mundane. And then how can we apply that same heroic disposition in the most boring mundane life circumstances? So to me, there has to be a place for that as well. Today it's very popular where there's uh, all kinds of different events where the elders of different cultures and traditions are brought together and then kind of very colorful show that is taking place. And uh, at the same time, not much meaning comes out of it because each one is uh, in a way uh, kind of boasting about their own culture and uh, not really taking the time to relate or see the meaning and each elder may describe it through the context of their own particular worldview or culture and another thing that is common is an elder from one tradition that is an expert in a particular field then has this idea that they are an expert in all other fields as well and then often may misinterpret the other lineages or other traditions that come from another world culture and view and in a way dismiss it. And I've seen it happen in, in different elders from different traditions where it's easy to make an opinion without taking the time to really see what it's about. And it's also often done as a way to reaffirm one's own position and one's own particular spiritual approach. And think that, yeah, I have some 
what I have to share is useful and I want to really make it useful, but then I do it at the account of what others are doing. And so, yeah, these traditions, of course, they have survived through many cataclysms and they have really struggled to maintain that essence. And because of that, there is sometimes this kind of tendency to overprotect, which is not really helpful in the long run at this point. May have been helpful in the past. But it's not about like eliminating the heretics or claiming that nobody else has any point or essence. And so this is also something that Elton shared earlier today. Yeah, of course, everything has some truth to it. It's not about negating, but it's also this recognition that there are more objective, more inclusive truths that can be tapped into. And it doesn't negate anything else. Yeah, this is meaningful. And at the same time, there can be a more inclusive approach. There can be a wider view that includes that relative truth and yet goes beyond it. And so then in that way, of course, the elders from different traditions, they have that place to honor what they're doing, to continue working with it. And also there have to be bridge makers, like in our Kero elder words, that in the Kero lineage, they've been working with this prophecy of the bridge people that come from our modern society today. People like us who are engaging in this talk uh, called Chakaruna in uh, Runasimi in Quechua language. And the bridge people, they're the ones who are actually wanting to make it relevant, who, want, who need to make it meaningful in today's circumstances, in the challenges of today's world, to not just uh, leave the cultures in the museum as exponents, empty of essence, but to make it relevant, to get real, to apply it into the current challenges and to put it in other words and find the connection. And then to see, okay, well, this culture talks about this particular view, this culture talks about another one. What is the meeting point between them? How can we meet as human beings and not some kind of a cultural masks and performances? And so within that, everyone have a purpose and it's up to each one of us to encourage that in the world, not to just leave it as some kind of a fancy theater show, but to get real, to, to wish to see the deeper meaning, to wish to see the connection that is not bound by words or cultural context, but can only be pointed out by it. So I find that that is essential in that way. To go to indigenous people for meaning, but then all we know is consuming. And so, again, yeah, initially we may know mostly that from the upbringing in the modern world. 
And yet we each know more than that. And it's natural part of our healthy development as human beings. At, at a certain point, all we know is consuming. All we want is the mama's, mama's milk. And we don't know how to wipe our own butts and take care of ourselves. But then gradually, you know, more on a kind of a raw level, on the materialistic level of our lives, we start to wipe our butts by ourselves. We start to be potty trained. And at first it's the physical body, but then we start to potty train our monkey mind. And it starts to become more subtle. So it's not that the essence is not there. It's just at first it starts off on a very gross kind of material level and then it becomes more and more sublimated throughout our lives. And at first, yeah, there can be this just kind of uh, shopping, spiritual shopping kind of experience. But inevitably, uh, uh, the wake-up call will come through one's life and it will be either through all kinds of outer misfortunes or the state of the world right now, or maybe it will be the inner sicknesses or a sense of dissatisfaction of life for, and things not working out. But the wake-up call will come and it's up to us to heed that call and not remain consumers and take responsibility for our lives and wishing to develop that meaning and the capacity to generate essential human qualities rather than always depend on that from the outside and blame everything and everyone for not having that. So uh, yeah, it's good to connect and get real with oneself and uh, then also to encourage to, to seek that within the living wisdom traditions, within the ancestral traditions. Otherwise, what I've seen in the rainforest in the indigenous cultures of course it's supply and demand if all people want their tourist attractions then the indigenous people they also need to feed their families they need to survive they have real needs they're also humans they live in this world where they're also being how to say controlled by the government the society they start to depend on the modern superficial values. And so then they provide what is expected of them, a tourist show. But if people come to these traditions with a deeper meaning and wish to see something of the essence within it, then also that is what will be reflected. And it's up to all of us to make to do our part in that so that it doesn't remain just a consumerist tourist attraction. It doesn't mean that one has to be perfect. Like I said, it's one thing to experience something in myself, and it's another thing to make it shareable, to make it relatable. And uh, in my experience, uh, there is a big gap between the two. Yeah, I can find benefit in something, but then to really share it meaningfully and skillfully, to relate it with people, to find a common language, the, the silver thread that connects our experiences together. So it's not just subjective to my own life, 
then I have to really work at it. I have to not just have a glimpse and then become happy that I know it all, but have many, many glimpses and then to see what it's about and to connect with it and then to relate how other people may experience that. And again, that takes time. That's why traditionally it was encouraged to not make a commercial enterprise out of a spiritual path for at least 10 years of one's life and uh, to sit with it and, and do it because there is a deeper meaning and motivation. Otherwise, if money starts to get involved very soon, then it's easy to get, to get lost, to lose track and to, to stop doing it because of the hard calling. And then it becomes more connected to the survival mechanism and the egoic ambition and performance and appearance and competition. And then it loses meaning in that way. So it's essential to really take some time and to connect with the deeper passion, inspiration. And then also, why do I want to do it? Do I want to do it to get a pat on the back? To be appreciated? to have some kind of a reward or do I want to do it because I find deep fulfillment because it's my heart's calling and inspiration and it's good to really take the time uh, not to uh, be impulsive about that because there are pitfalls on this path and uh, they can be uh, very harsh lessons in that way. Sometimes yeah, it's also encouraged not to try to start helping everyone right away. Sometimes people have this inside, this aha moment and then think, oh yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to help everyone. I'm going to change the world, this Messiah complex. And then I try to help and I have it, I sometimes may do it with all of, with my whole heart and then just really wishing someone to be well and then all they do is spit at me and curse me out. And if I'm not prepared for that and if I'm doing it unconsciously to get some kind of an external reward or recognition, then I will get discouraged very early on on the path and may want to stop doing it altogether. And that can be quite dangerous. And one of uh, my elders early on from the Amazon, he told me, if you want to be a healer, you know, it's not anything romantic. Basically, it means to become a garbage man. You have to deal with the garbage of the collective and compost it and make it into fertile ground for the blossoming of human potential. And yeah, that may not be so uh, pleasant or romantic and then yeah it's good to really connect and really see how to engage with the path in a meaningful and lasting way so whatever questions you may have had or reflections and uh, some you know rotten tomatoes if you want to throw at us you're welcome and uh, then we will continue to reflect on that next time yeah there was a question about the ayahuasca, uh, ayahuasca tradition like today many people go and do dietas and mm -hmm. learn icaros but uh, 
there is not much talk about seeing the essence. Mm. Like, why is this happening? Well, I mean, I can just share my own perspective and reflection is that uh, today we live in a society where there is this tunnel vision and narrow specialization that people are after that has not much of a connection with the greater picture. Like in ancient times, there was a term uh, Renaissance man or a woman where, yeah, people specialized in many different things and many different fields. It wasn't just one thing. And today, oh yeah, I want to become a rocket scientist. I want to become a computer programmer. I want to become a network engineer. I want uh, to become some kind of a particular profession, which also includes, you know, a healer or a shaman, but then not having a connection with the greater picture, the other facets of existence. And so then people treat it in that way. Oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to become a healer or I'm going to do this dieta, but it has nothing to do with my everyday life. And I'm going to have this nice experience, and, uh, uh, but it only pertains to these circumstances. And then people approach the plant dietas as some kind of external spirits that will come and bless them in the rainforest. And then they don't have to to think about it or to relate with that process in their everyday life and some kind of mystical spirits will help them. But traditionally, again, it wasn't like that. And the plant dietas, it wasn't something separate from one's life and it wasn't about some kind of mystical external spirits. But they were the keys that related to our own essential human qualities the qualities of nature within ourselves. And then unlocking those qualities through conscious facing of oneself. Yeah, then it has gotten lost and then it's perceived as some kind of a special ritual that will solve the issues for me. I just have to follow this instruction manual. I do what I'm told. And I don't have to think for myself and I don't have to actually be conscious through that process. And it will be like this magical formula that will do the work for me. But again, in my experience, it's a misinterpretation. And uh, without actually facing oneself, getting real and seeing how everything is supportive, but nothing can substitute me being real with myself and continuing to apply that in everyday life. And so then that becomes meaningful. Otherwise, it's another, another way to fool oneself. The ego tends to adapt very fast, even to a spiritual path. Oh, before that I was nice and friendly and now I'm also going to be spiritual. I'm going to have another label that I'm going to add to my description. So that's another part of it. So thank you everyone watching and who will watch and listen and find meaning in what we're doing. Uh, we are in the minority 
of the world right now but still you know even if one person few people are connecting to the deeper essence then it makes my life worth living so i'm grateful we will continue soon enough please tune in and we love you all and uh, wish you the highest timeless most meaningful joy in your life be well thank you thank you thank you for joining us if you have found value in what we have shared we welcome donations in order to continue this service to make a donation or to ask a question visit our website at www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. May all beings be happy and free.